Hello, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. We're here to connect, encourage, and empower you to radiate the message of Jesus to yourself, your neighbors, and the world. I'm your host, Steve Presswood. I'm on the phone with today's guest, Bryce Bouchard. Bryce, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. Thanks, Steve. Great to be with you. Would you tell our podcast audience about yourself? Would love to. Uh, I am married to Susan, who was a Navigator kid. She's been with the Navigators all her life. And um, we met at a new staff orientation conference that was at Glen Erie, which was the same place her parents met 30 years before. So uh, pretty awesome. We have four kids, uh, 16, 14, 12, and a little caboose, uh, <laughs> five-year-old Elsie. So two boys, two girls, they're a blast. And I've worked for the Navigators for 25, actually, I was just told the other day, I think 26 years, they want to get me some kind of gift. Oh, how fun. So, yeah. So we've pioneered five campus ministries over the years. Um, and we are pioneering our final campus down here at the University of Oklahoma. We've been down here for uh, we just finished our fourth year. That's neat. So, uh, Elsie, your youngest, is the first of your kids that I met, and uh, she endeared herself to me for forever, uh, first meeting, <laughs> in interesting ways, about a story we won't share, at least not here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't even, I don't remember it, but I do know that uh, she would could barely talk and said, "Mr. Thief, call me Elsie." <laughs> <laughs> So what's your favorite musical artist? Uh, you know, this is a funny question. Who? Who, yeah. I, I, this is a funny question, Steve. I have an incredibly wide range of musical interests. So I enjoy, I grew up listening to blues in my family. So I really enjoy blues, um, some Muddy Waters and Alan Wolf and uh, some of the, the older blues. And but I also was a child of the 80s and was into breakdancing the first time it came around. So a big rap fan, still probably listen to more old school rap <laughs> and Christian rap. I, I love the rap radio station, but I can only listen for a minute or two before I have to convince myself. Did he just say what I think he said? <laughs> and then either the Holy Spirit or my kids <laughs> yell, you need to change the station. But I also grew up in the South, so I still love country. Uh, my dad used to put on the Oak Ridge Boys and some old school country, Charlie Pride and those guys. So I like country as well. So I'd say, honestly, probably my go-to that I just love and hope I'm standing next to him in heaven just to let him hear him sing is Phil Wickham. So anything that Phil Wickham has written, worship songs, I just, I love it. Um, I love his heart for God and really enjoy his music. I knew if I asked you enough unusual questions that I'd never asked you before on this podcast that I'd find out something new about you that I didn't know. <laughs> there you go. Very interesting. Rap and country and blues, yeah. Uh, so how old were you, Bryce, when you came to Faith in Christ? I was 18 years old. I had a I grew up Catholic and I had a Baptist youth pastor who vigorously pursued me. My folks split up when I was 12, 
you know, I moved back and forth between mom and dad's and then just moved out on my own, lived with friends, lived in the woods with my friends. I started drinking and smoking pot in middle school. And then throughout high school, just kind of, we were all from dysfunctional families and really kind of had a fraternity in high school. We were living like fraternity guys in high school. And this Baptist youth pastor really had a heart for reaching the party kids. And he hmm. pursued me and kept pursuing me and didn't stop. Um, I didn't find out until 20 years later that the youth group ran him off. The church ran him off because they wanted more of a babysitter. And he was interested in raising up, uh, reaching out to lost kids. But they fired him and he went and opened a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and um, he, he contacted me 20 years later. And he said, by the way, you know, uh, I tried to convince him I was a Mormon. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, yeah, you know, I've been with the Mormon church. He said, man, that's a lie. I looked you up on Google. You're with the Navigator. <laughs> uh, so he said, you know, my dad was one of the original Navigators. And I said, you got to be kidding me, really? He said, you ever heard of a guy named Lorne Sani? I said, yeah, once or twice. He said, well, Dawes invested in Lorne, Lorne in my father, Harland Abbott, and my dad led me to Christ and discipled me. So wow. little did I know that my spiritual lineage went back to Dawes. It was 20 years before I found that out. It's pretty awesome. How fun. How long was it before you had help in growing that faith? Yeah, this, this was an interesting, fairly unusual piece. Um, Right after I came to Christ, uh, I had a bad uh, trip on LSD right after high school graduation. I was down at Virginia Beach with 14 buddies of mine. We had all rented a house. I went down to the ocean after a bad trip of acid. I had to go to the hospital that night. And I thought, man, I, I'd been reading the Bible for close to a year on my own. And I had read enough to know when Jesus calls a man, he calls him to come and die. And the cost was too high for me. Hmm. I thought, I'm going to lose all of my friends. This is my family. These men are my family. And if any of them started to walk with Christ, they would have been disowned. And I assumed the same would be true for me. And so I kept putting it off and putting it off. But after that night, I walked down to the ocean at Virginia Beach and just said, Lord, I, I want you. Here's my life. I want everything you've got. Um, and that was, by the way, December 31st, 1989, my New Year's resolution for 1990 was, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes to get to know you this year. And God continued to put people and events in my life, culminating in that, that night of a bad trip to where I ultimately said, Lord, here I am. This is my life. But that youth pastor had been run off. And all of the believers in school were uh, from my high school were going to school out of state. And so all the Christians that I knew had left. So all of my friends were my buddies from middle school and high school. And the Lord did an amazing thing. Typically, if you had someone come to Christ that was still in that environment with no fellowship, you would assume that they would crash and burn, right? Well, I had so experienced life outside of Christ and the party life and hooking up with girls, being drunk. It had zero, not only zero, it had a negative draw to me. I had no desire for that. Some folks, it's a slow growth. When I gave my life to Christ, I mean, it was a complete 180. I had such joy. I had found the one for whom my soul longed hmm. and had been loved in a way that I had just been looking for my whole life, that I, I was just completely on fire for Jesus. And the cool thing is I continued to hang out with all those buddies 
So we would still play poker together and we played drinking games when they would have to shotgun a beer, I'd have to shotgun a Mountain Dew. <laughs> they would pass out and I would be up on a caffeine high and driving them around as a designated <laughs> driver. But the amazing thing was that they got to, usually when someone comes to Christ, they get extracted from their non-believing relationships. God kept me in the midst of those non-believers and they got to watch Jesus change my life. Hmm. And some of them ended up coming to faith but, of course, you can only go so long without fellowship. So I got connected to a church, really began to uh, grow. I, before I even came to Christ, Steve, I started systematically. This will tell you my age. My mom gave me, for early graduation present, a word processor. So it was a hybrid between a manual typewriter or an electric typewriter and a computer. And I had a Bible, and I had systematically started typing up the Bible in topics. So I organized things based on topics as I was learning, and I would search every, every verse that I could and start typing them up. I was just fascinated with the scriptures and taking this is before I had even come to Christ. I started hmm. uh, reading. I would take my Bible to high school with me and hide it behind my books and read it. So when I came to Christ, that only grew all the more. My love for the Word for the Lord, as, as again, as I found the one I'd been longing for, looking for, began to grow like crazy. I got a job at a Christian bookstore. So I just started reading everything I could get my hands on. And I would ask people who were buying books, hey, why do you like this book? And give me a recommendation. So I say the first uh, about three years of my life, my Christian life, I was discipled by dead guys <laughs> and by people who uh, had written books. Um, Jerry Bridges was one of the first authors and Ch Chuck Swindoll that I started reading their stuff. Funny story, Steve, I was still had come to Christ and, and uh, the party life and hooking up with women didn't uh, appeal to me, but I still was obviously attracted to a pretty girl a girl came into the Christian bookstore one day and I noticed her from the moment she came in and she goes looking at books and I was probably a month old in the faith, maybe mm -hmm. two. And she came up and put a book on the counter for me to ring her up. And, you know, I didn't know any authors at that point. And I was trying to think of something to impress <laughs> her. Something I said, is this one of his, um, is this his latest book? I haven't seen this one. It was by C.S. Lewis, <laughs> who had been dead sure. for who knows how long at that point. And she said, well, I don't know if it's his latest. It might have been his last. but I don't." And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So, so anyway, I, I really grew through uh, reading, just getting everything I could get my hands on. Well, how did you initially come to be mentored or discipled by somebody who was alive? <laughs> yeah. um, well, when I came to Christ, I took a chunk of two by four and I whittled it down as much as I could with the tools that I had into a cross. And I took a wood burner and I uh, wood burned Ephesians 2.13 onto that cross. Uh, now you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And I put it around a piece of yarn and I wore that thing everywhere I went. I was so proud of uh, Jesus. And so I began sharing about him with with everyone who would listen. In fact, my dad's second wife, I accidentally led to the Lord, just sharing with my dad, who was kind of bantering with me about 
my new faith, but she was listening. And next thing I knew, she came to Christ and started memorizing the verses that I was. And that pastor, when he left, gave me a thing called a survival kit for new Christians. And it was really kind of a follow-up discipleship thing. I don't know who put it out. It was real simple, but I did everything it said in it. And one of it, it had a couple verses in there. One of them was Psalm 119, 9 and 11. And the idea of how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so I just started writing out verses and memorizing them. I didn't know anybody else did that. And and I, of course, didn't know anything of the navigators, who the navigators were. So I just started doing that and doing whatever I read in that book that suggested to, to grow. But I was sharing Jesus with everyone I possibly could. And at that point, I was leading people to Christ. Um, I transferred schools. There was an intervarsity chapter, so started connecting with other people. But the staff was a visiting staff. He would come down from the University of Virginia maybe once or twice a semester. So we were really a pretty young chapter, immature in our faith in, in many ways. And no one was discipling anyone. Half the leadership team were still partying and getting drunk. And so I, I had no interest in being a part of that leadership team. I just wanted to go share the gospel with everybody on campus I could. So I did that and I'd lead people to Christ, but I had no idea how to help them grow. So I'd go knock on every door in the dorm and share the gospel. I, I had a real ministry but I didn't know then how to help them grow once they started growing. So when I graduated, I got connected to the Navigators, to a guy named Pete Durrell, who was at another campus. I took a job in Blacksburg, Virginia. Pete was the Navigator staff there, and I was just dying to have somebody disciple me. He had discipled a buddy of mine from high school before I was even a Christian, a guy I was friends with. And he said, hey, if you're down there in Blacksburg, you need to connect with Pete Durrell. So I asked him, hey, would you disciple me? I didn't know that was an awkward thing with meeting somebody for the first mm. time. He sensed my hunger and eagerness to grow. And he said, well, you're going to be studying the Bible three hours a week, and then we'll process it for three hours a week, and we'll meet and do this. And the way that I disciple somebody is just to take them with me on campus. And, and so uh, he said, what would you do if you were going to disciple somebody? What would you do with them? And I came up with two or three things. And I said, how about you? And he turned over a napkin, of course, and listed out about 15, 20 things. And he said, this is what I do with guys. And I said, man, sign me up. That's what I want to do. I was planning on going into youth ministry with Young Life. But I thought, man, this guy understands discipleship. I already know how to share the gospel. I need to hang out with these guys and learn how to disciple people. And my plan was to be with Young Life. I say I went on loan from Young Life to the Navigators. I have been on loan the last 26 years. Wow. So uh, I love that vision. And, and Pete and the Navigators were the first people who I'd been around that captured my heart with this biblical idea of multiplication mm. and reaching lost people. It just made so much sense to me. I can reach more people if I decide, lead them to Christ and disciple them and teach them to do the same. And I was sold the moment. Pete, I probably had that vision but couldn't have articulated it. Sure. And when Pete articulated it with such passion, I thought, sign me up, I'm on. You've probably been intentionally discipling other people for a good while. How long would you say? Yeah, probably 25 years. Once I got involved with Pete and those guys, um, they really taught me how to disciple men. And, and so started doing that and then started figuring out more how to not just disciple someone, but to raise up disciple makers and then to create movements 
of disciple makers that are raising up disciple makers. And so that's been a slow growth process of figuring out how to do that more and more over the sure. years. But, but I'd say 25 years. Yeah, I've been a believer for 30 and 25 that I've been hmm. really uh, discipling folks. What are the things, Bryce, that you're looking for and those you recruit to a discipling relationship? As I'm older, I have the freedom to look a little bit more for chemistry, someone that I enjoy. Uh, you have more folks asking to disciple you the older you get. When you're younger, though, I think the Lord is often looking to see, are you faithful? He who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. So God wants to see, are you going to be faithful with someone who's not necessarily an all-star, all-star disciple? but they're hungry and they're willing to grow. And so I'd say particularly for college students, you do want to look for somebody. We, we talk about the fat person or, or fast. I know you guys use Steve or, or faith, faithful, available, an initiator, teachable, heart for God, heart for people. I'd say really somebody I enjoy, though, and I want to see somebody that has a passion to know God. I don't have to light a fire under them they already are motivated and they want to grow and that they're willing to pay the price that Mm. rather than mastering another level on a video game or taking (laughs) another job for more money that they didn't necessarily need, I'm able to fan their flame and choke on their dust that they've shown themselves. I'd also say I look for somebody that the hand of God is clearly resting Mm. upon Mm. and um, they're broken and there's a contrition and a willingness to do it scared, that they're willing to move in fear. And probably one of the biggest things to me is that I see someone who is willing to initiate with the lost and really be involved with with lost people. If they're not willing to do that, then they probably want somebody else to disciple them. Yeah. So I'm sure there's much we could talk about in this realm of uh, what you do when you're making disciples. But I kind of want to bring it into perhaps something that's simpler. Uh-huh. In the first year, the initial year of you having a discipleship relationship with someone, what are the some of the big things that you're aiming to do? If they're a new believer, is that what you're asking, Steve, or just in general? You know, I, I think it's it's interesting to me that whether people are new believers or whether they've been around the block, it's surprising to me how much we think we know and how little we really do know if we haven't been trained carefully. So sometimes it doesn't look like that difference is that extreme. Yeah. Answer it however you want. Yeah, sure, sure. I I do like to determine where are they, somewhat of a spiritual assessment, if you will. So I don't want to harp on something that they already have gotten down. Yep. For example, quiet times, consistency there. But I also don't want to assume that they've already gotten that down. And so really uh, consistency, building trust and rapport between me and them, I really like to invest in a small number that I can share my life with, that we're going to spend time with, and that I can ensure the things that I want to see get reproduced, get reproduced well. So I've made the mistake in years past where I am discipling way too many people, and what I find is they don't reproduce. So to me, if someone's not reproducing this idea of multiplication, Hmm. it makes no sense. And, And one of the greatest... Uh, hindrances to multiplication is falling for the lure of addition. So what I found is uh, I've got to have time with them. And so they need to be available and I need to have time that I can spend with them, let them come into my life, into my family 
Um, I'm really sharing my life with them and hearing about theirs. Yeah, I, I would say those are uh, some of the key things. Seeing them uh, begin to initiate toward lost people. So we'll start praying for their lost friends. I've, I've probably told you, Steve, my Plowers acronym uh, for my man demands is, uh, or low rep is the order that I do. Um, plower in, in, in order is uh, life. I'm going to share about my life and hear about theirs. Oh, I'm going to observe what does God seem to be doing in their lives? What sin is he working out of them? What character is he building into them? So life, observe, W, the word. We're going to get time in the word together. We're going to talk about reproducing. Who are they helping? I'm going to cast vision with them of what it looks like to reproduce, both through the scriptures and anecdotes and any stories I can think that demonstrate or illustrate to them the idea of multiplication, uh, reproduction. E is evangelism. So we're not just going to talk about evangelism. We're going to do evangelism together. And then P, pray. So we might not do all six of those things every time, right. but that's going to be the climate of our times together. Yeah, that's really useful. What are the indicators in your mind that a disciple is healthy? Uh, they're enjoying Jesus. So they don't just have discipline, but I can tell that they really are enjoying him. They, they do have a discipline of getting time with them. They're abiding, believing the gospel is true. They're with lost people. That's really key that they're with lost people. Uh, if they're not, they're not a healthy disciple to me and that they're reproducing. They're looking for people to invest their life in. And they're doing that right off the bat. When they're meeting with somebody, they're casting that vision with them of, hey, I'm not the only one that gets to have all the fun. I'm going to uh, help you do this as well. And, and we're going to trust God to give you a man as well. Uh, and how about what the in, are your indicators that a disciple is mature? I'd say maybe those same things. They're abiding well, that they are with lost people and that they are raising up more spiritual multipliers that are doing the same. Hmm. I asked about one favorite thing up in the first part of our interview, favorite music. Uh-huh. Uh, let me ask you another favorite type question as we begin to, to close out here. What's your favorite verse or passage from the Bible that you've memorized? I used to say I don't have one. There's so many good ones. I, <laughs> I love, there's so many I love, but eventually I realized the one I probably quote more than any is Acts 13.22. It's David, uh, the Lord talking about Saul and David, and it, and it says, after removing Saul, that he testified concerning him, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I ask of him, or some translations say everything I want him to do. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I want that to be true of me, that the Lord would say, Bryce is a man after my own heart. How do I know that? He'll do everything I ask him to do. And I want that to be true of the men and women who I invest in as well, that they just have hearts for the Lord. And God would say of them, they really value me and they'll do whatever I want them to do. Bryce, what fun to talk to you today. We could talk much longer, at least uh, from the standpoint of my interest. And we may just have to have you on the podcast another day, but I think we'll call it quits for today. Thanks for joining me and sharing your thoughts and time with our listeners. Thank you, Steve. I'd love to do the same in reverse and hear all these things from you. (laughs) Great. See ya. (laughs) All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Radiate. You can continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect to us online at osunavs.org and on Instagram at osunavs. See you next time. And until then, keep radiating the message of Jesus.